0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Today is World Wildlife Day, and while that might conjure up images of majestic elephants or vanishing rainforests, you really ought to think about wildlife closer to home, like, say, great horned owls. Mark Glenshaw does that just about every day. Glenshaw is obsessed with owls. He has a day job as a manager at Fontbonne University's library. But by night, he frequents a discreet area of Forest Park, checking in on an owl he named Charles. He has been observing Charles for coming up on 15 years now, sometimes as often as six or seven days a week. And he's seen some owl lady friends come and go. Charles' longtime partner, Sarah, died of natural causes a few years ago. Glenshaw watched another owl owl take her place only to be chased away by a more aggressive owl he named her Samantha just like Sex in the City only with owls In Forest Park. But that's not the end of this soap opera. And joining us today to update us on Charles the Owl is Mark Glenshaw. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank
1: you so much, Sarah, for having me back. It's a real thrill and honor to be here every time.
0: Now, it's been a bit more than a year since you last joined us on St. Louis on the air. And I understand this has been a really dynamic year for Charles. What is going on with his owl life?
1: Much has happened, more than I could ever anticipate. The first thing that happened very sadly last year was that his mate of almost three years, Samantha, died uh, Mm -hmm. of natural causes. She had a massive bacterial infection. We were able – a massive, beautiful joint effort between Forest Park Forever, uh, Missouri Humane Society, and World Bird Sanctuary. We were able to get her treatment, but she was too far gone, too far ill. She had been out of the park for a week, dead for two days, and I'm watching Charles. I wonder aloud, I wonder if and when another female will show up. And I turn my head, and there about 40 feet away is another beautiful female. Just waiting. Just waiting. And I've named her Danielle, and she and Charles have become a pair, and they have mated. But in the meantime, we had a crazy thing this summer where Charles moved his territory by about a half mile. Still within the park, part of his hunting range but not his core territory, which he has spent years defending and proclaiming. It was sort of like, oh, hey, this is where I live. This is where I work. This is where I go to the grocery store. And now I'm living in the grocery store.
0: (laughs) He just moved to a different edge of his zone?
1: Yes, for about five months.
0: Has this ever happened in the years that you've been observing him? Never,
1: never. And I was re-scouring the literature, finding almost nothing that talked about this, that, oh, if something really that happens they they could move and there might I have some thoughts on possible causes but there's not one or even two or three things that maybe say well of course this is why he moved
0: hmm. and then in mid
1: october he moved back.
0: He moved back. And is it pretty easy to figure out where he's living, or did it take you a while to find him after he moved into the proverbial grocery store?
1: It took me a very long time. I had 10 days of not finding him in his old territory. I've had a two, three, four days of not finding him, but 10, I was getting very concerned. And then finally, I found him over there in a time and place where he would often be there, like seeing me at the grocery store on a Saturday. That's normal. So I started to search over there, And I was finding him more and more. And it was so tough to learn a whole new area, an area that I knew in general, but nothing like I knew the old territory. Just to go by the old territory was really strange. It's like I should be there. And then I had to relearn, not relearn, totally learn from scratch all of his new places. So the way I described last summer, it was fascinating. Yeah. It was frustrating. And other F words.
0: (laughs) and i'm glad you're not saying them today on the air but so no. so charles and danielle they're back to where they started uh, they're ha- back ha- to to where they started
1: well there's nesting and there's nesting nest as a noun and a verb you always want to use very precisely very carefully it means where a bird lays eggs incubate eggs and the eggs hopefully hatch and the young grow up they did nest uh, starting in late december And from what I saw of Danielle's behavior, she started laying eggs in mid-January. But sadly, uh, in the middle of uh, last month, on the 18th, I saw the nest fail, most likely due to a predatory incursion of raccoons. Raccoons.
0: Oh, no. And this is after she had laid an egg?
1: And possibly two or three, and the eggs right at the edge of either hatching or had already hatched.
0: So we we're not 100% sure what's happened to these little owlettes?
1: Nothing good. Okay. Yeah, no, oh, that had
0: to have been heartbreaking. It
1: was very tough to see after Charles not having young successfully since Sarah died in 2015.
0: So this was a big deal for him. This is a
1: huge deal for him, for everyone that loves and cares about these owls. There's a whole community of people that have grown around these owls.
0: So what about these horrible raccoons? I mean, do we need to come after them with pitchforks?
1: No, not at all. They are animals doing what they need to do. Raccoons
0: are going to raccoon.
1: Raccoons are going to raccoon. Owls are going to owls. And... Great horned owls actually eat raccoons.
0: Oh, so this really is the circle of of life right here. Very
1: much so. In fact, during the whole nesting period, I saw five, six, seven attempts on raccoons by the owls. And gosh knows how many baby raccoons they've eaten, mom and dad raccoons they've eaten. This is what nature does. There's no villains. There's no heroes. They're just trying to live survive, reproduce.
0: So now that Charles has had this this really devastating loss, um, and, and you say the nest failed, does this mean they have to build a new nest?
1: Well, great horned owls, like most owls, do not build a nest. They find a place that works for them. And great horned owls, being the most widespread, commonly found owl in North America, they nest in more different spaces and places than any other bird.
0: They're very successful because they're adaptable? They're
1: super adaptable. and That's why they're so successful. Kind of a a, a bit of a Mobius strip there. Um, but. There could be a chance that they might renest. I did see this happen when the nest failed with Charles and Samantha in 2017, 2018. From what I've been seeing of their behavior recently, I'm not especially optimistic on a second attempt of nesting. So
0: are they homeless?
1: Not homeless. Again, a nest is where you have the eggs, where they sleep, where they mm-hmm. Uh, what's called roosting and perching, they have many of those places. Oh, okay. And they've gone back to those places. It was fascinating. The morning after the nest failed, I saw Danielle go back to a place I hadn't seen her since late December, when, when she, just before she started to nest. And when she went back to that place, it was almost like seeing a door slammed. Like, yeah, that failed. <laughs> okay, back to where I would be if I wasn't doing this.
0: So looking ahead for Charles and Danielle, do you feel like um, they might try again, that we're going to see some more little owlets um, or eggs in the coming year?
1: Um, It would be a whole other year from now. They won't be be
0: doing it it, this time of year.
1: No. Again, small chance that they might again, but most likely they're not going to try again, and the breeding cycle is so long, mm-hmm. seven to nine months on average. Oh,
0: that sounds just about as bad as, as what we women have to put up with here.
1: Exactly, but imagine having two to three kids a year, raising them to the age of 16 to 18, and then next year having another two to three and raising them to the age of 16 Yeah, that sounds
0: exhausting. Yes. I can see why Charles might opt out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so we're hopefully they're going to maintained the territory. Danielle has been fascinating in so many ways. Before she started to nest, she had really been hit or miss in her appearance. For example, during the fall, when they should have been courting very intensely, Charles was hooting quite a bit. Was, we just heard him and we didn't hear Danielle. Yeah, that was
0: literally Charles, not Charles, just a generic great horned Exactly.
1: On. That was Charles and Danielle. The, the calls from the male and the female are distinct not only by sex, but also by individual. Mm. And she had been hit or miss big time in the fall. I had two periods of over 10 days where I did not see Danielle in the fall. And then finally, she started to become more consistent. She might be young. She might be, hey, I just graduated high school And I'm going out with this guy in his 50s. Danielle
0: needs some wild years, maybe, before settling she down.
1: Might. She might. And even during the summer, she was hit and miss. During summer, fall, winter, just even the past couple of weeks, she's been hit or miss.
0: She, she's not as steady as some of these other owls. Not as steady. So, Mark, last question for you. Um, I know it, it's clear you're so passionate about these owls and hearing about them. I can I can be, um, understand why. Is there any way that um, the rest of us could help these owls at this point? Is it just mainly leaving them alone or are there other things we can do? Do?
1: There are all sorts of things that you can do. One of the best things to do is to just go out and find them in and around where you live, your neighborhood, your local parks. And as you see them, and one of the ways that you see them, it's three things you do the field work, you do the research, and collaborate with your neighbors. You're going to start to learn more and care more. And it's just all these granular things that add up that, oh, I'm really interested in these owls, and that's made me learn about all these other things up to ecosystems and planet-wide type of natural things that we all need to know about and care about.
0: Well, Mark Glenshaw, thank you for joining us today and sharing your passion with us.
1: You are most welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: We need to take a quick break, but coming up next, we'll stay on the nature beat. How does the Missouri Botanical Garden think that you should celebrate World Wildlife Day? This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.